Oh, so as Eliza mentioned, we're going to start a new series. Uh, we finished our series going through the book of Philippians, talking about having joy in all circumstances. Uh, the next 10 weeks, we're going to focus in on the Holy Spirit. So um, we're going to start off today by asking the question, who is the Holy Spirit? Okay, so the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity, okay? And so when we mention like a definition about who, who the Holy Spirit is and we talk about the third person of the Trinity, a lot of us are like, okay, what does that mean? What does that mean that he's the third person of the Trinity? Well, the Trinity is one of the kind of the doctrines in the Christian faith that's kind of difficult to understand, right? And even if you know what, what it is, it's hard to wrap your mind around it, right? So the Trinity basically means what? That God is three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, but one God, okay? So the math kind of doesn't add up. It's one plus one plus one equals one, right? <laughs> so the math doesn't kind of make up. There's three distinct persons. Each one is 100% God. So it's not like the Holy Spirit is one-third God and Jesus is one-third God and the Father is one-third God and they add them all together and they make one whole God. It's each one individually is 100% God, but yet in totality, they're unified together to form one God. Not 300%, not one-third, one-third, one-third. It's 100%, 100%, 100% is 100%. <laughs> okay, so if you weren't confused before, I'm sure you're really confused now. But they tried to have like different analogies to try to help us understand the Holy Spirit. And I, you may have heard some different analogies. Um, so one example is like, for example, take myself. So I am a person, okay, but I can have three different roles, right? So I can be a son to my father, I can be a father to my children, and I can be a husband to my wife. So one person, but then I have three different roles, okay? That's one kind of analogy. Another analogy that I heard is like an egg. Have you heard of like the egg analogy? So you have an egg, and then it has the shell, and then it has the, what is the white part, Carl? The white part? <laughs> and then it has the yolk, right? Where it has three different parts, but it makes up one whole. Okay, the problem with those different illustrations is that it actually doesn't describe the Trinity, right? Because if you think about me and being one person, but having three different roles, I'm not three different people. I'm only one person, right? So it's not like there's one person that has one hat and then they take off the hat and put another hat on and the same person puts another hat on. That's not the Trinity, right? It's three different people, not one person with three different roles, okay? And that's one common misperception about the Trinity is that there's one God, he just has three different hats that he wears. Sometimes he puts the Father hat on. Sometimes he puts the Jesus hat on. Sometimes he puts the Holy Spirit hat on. That's not what the Trinity or what the Bible teaches. Okay, the egg is something similar, right? The shell is not the whole egg. The white part is also not the whole egg. And the yolk is also not the whole egg. Okay, so it's very hard to find an analogy that really, really describes what the Trinity is. Okay, but I found one. Okay, I found one. And it actually comes from chemistry, okay? How many have ever heard this thing called the triple point? Has anybody heard that? Triple point? No one? No one's heard that? 
Okay, so the triple point is basically something you find in chemistry where you have a certain temperature and pressure that you can have water in all three states. So liquid, gas, and vapor? No, no, no. Solid, 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 liquid, gas, and solid. Okay, so I have a, I have a YouTube clip here that kind of shows a picture of what it looks like. that picture, it has ice, okay, solid, okay, it's boiling, and I don't know how that happens where it has ice and it's still boiling, okay, so it's liquid and then there's vapor that comes out from, from it be boiling, okay, so this is a triple point, this is the closest thing I've seen in nature that describes a trinity, okay, it's three distinct things, it's a solid, it's a liquid, it's a gas, each one is 100% water, right, but it makes up one compound, okay? So this is kind of the closest picture that kind of gives us a picture of what the Trinity is about, okay? So when we think about the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is one member of the Trinity, okay? We have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, okay? So if you look at the, the Trinity, the Trinity is actually not used, that term is not used in the Bible, Okay, we never find the term Trinity in the Bible, but we know that it exists. Okay, so for example, it's existed from the very beginning. Look in Genesis chapter 1. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and the darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Okay, so in Genesis 1, what do we see? We see God, God the Father there. Who do we else do we see? We see the Holy Spirit. Okay, that was present from the very beginning, Genesis 1, 1, and 1, 2. Okay, but we also know from John chapter 1 that Jesus was also there. John chapter 1 says, he, speaking of Jesus, was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Who also was present? Jesus was present. Three distinct. Father, the Spirit, and Jesus. All were present. Okay, when you look at the Trinity, each one has a distinct role. Okay, each one has a distinct role. When you look at the Father, the Father is the one is the one who initiates. He's the one that decrees. He speaks it, right? So in creation, he spoke it, right? He spoke it. He's the one that starts the plan, starts the decree. The Son is the one who actually accomplishes it. He's the one that carries out the decree, it carries out the plan. And the Holy Spirit is actually the one that applies it to each individual person. So if you think about salvation, the Father initiated the plan. He had the plan from the beginning that Jesus was going to come and provide salvation for us. The Son carried out the plan. He went and then he came and made himself uh, a servant and he died on the cross to provide salvation. The Holy Spirit applies that salvation to each one of us. Okay, so it's helpful when we look at the Holy Spirit to understand the context of the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit is God. 
The Holy Spirit is God just like the Father is God, just like Jesus is God. And that's why I talk about the Trinity because when we look at the Holy Spirit, we have to look at it in the whole context of who God is. So when we look at the Holy Spirit, first thing we have to recognize is that the Holy Spirit is a person. Okay, the Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is not a thing. Okay, that's why sometimes... Uh, you'll see it like the Holy Spirit. Like the Holy Spirit sounds like it's a thing, right? The Holy Spirit is not a thing. The Holy Spirit is a person. Just like Jesus is a person. Just like the Father is a person. Okay, that's why we say he's the third person of the Trinity. He's a person. Okay, he has feelings. Ephesians 4.30 says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has emotions. The Holy Spirit has a will. 1 Corinthians 12, 11 says the Holy Spirit distributes spiritual gifts however he wills, however he chooses. He has a relationship with us. John chapter 14, verse 26 talks about how Jesus, the Holy Spirit is our counselor, our teacher, who is with us, who reminds us of all things. The Holy Spirit is a person. Okay, so we need to be careful when we say God the Father is a person, Jesus is a person, Holy Spirit is a person. That's true, but they're not a person like us, right? They're not exactly a person, but they have the characteristics of being a person, right? That's why we are made in God's likeness. Genesis 1.26 says we were made in God's likeness. So we are similar to how God describes himself and for us to be able to understand God, that we're a person that we have emotions, we have a will, we have the ability to relate to each other and have a relationship with each other, okay? So when we understand this, then we get a better picture of who the Holy Spirit is. So the Holy Spirit is not a thing. The Holy Spirit is not a force. It's not like Star Wars, the force be with you. The Holy Spirit is not like that, okay? That's what the new age kind of teaching is. It's like a force, okay? The Holy Spirit is not a force. The Holy Spirit is personable, relatable, can have a connection with us, can minister to us, can be with us, can have a relationship with us. It's important to understand the Holy Spirit is a person. So what do we know so far? The Holy Spirit is God, 100% God. Just like Jesus is God, just like the Father is God, the Holy Spirit is also a person. Okay? Um, this is really important because... I think that when we think about the Holy Spirit as a person, then it can have a better context for us. Okay, so let me, let me explain. So I grew up in a church kind of similar background to THMC. So THMC is uh, Christian reform. Okay, so it's kind of a reform uh, kind of theology. I grew up in the Presbyterian church, also kind of reform theology. So going to church, I never one time heard a message about the Holy Spirit. Never. Okay, maybe, maybe it was a Sunday that I missed. I don't know. But I don't remember in all my years growing up going to the church hearing one message about the Holy Spirit. Okay? I knew, I knew the word Holy Spirit. Like when we recited the Apostles' Creed, I believe in the Holy Spirit is part of the Apostles' Creed. I said that. I said the Apostles' Creed. I said Holy Spirit. Okay, I knew that... The, the idea about the Trinity, but I did not know the Holy Spirit. I didn't know who the Holy Spirit was. I didn't know the role of the Holy Spirit uh, in, in our life as a Christian. Okay? Then the Lord started speaking to me. Okay? 
And it's interesting how it came up. Okay, so I was at a church in uh, Cerritos, and I was a full-time staff there. I was in charge of all the small groups, okay? During this time, our associate pastor, who had been there for many, many, many years, he felt like the call on his life to go plant a church, okay? So he announced to the whole staff, I'm gonna go, we're gonna, I'm gonna go plant a church. And I still, to this day, really am so blessed and surprised by the senior pastor. Because the senior pastor, after the associate pastor announced that he was going to plant a church, went to the whole staff and said, anybody that wants to go with the associate pastor, I give you permission to go with him. He said that to the staff. He said that to the whole church, his whole congregation. He said, anybody that feels led to go on this church plant, I want, to go, you want, I want you to go with my blessing. Anybody can go. And to this day, that just amazed me. Right, that he could be so humble and he could hold onto the church so loosely that he could say that. Okay, so he gave an open invitation to the whole congregation and to the whole staff. Okay, so I heard that and I was like, like I said, I was, wow, that's amazing, right? That he would say that. But then my next thought is, but I'm not gonna go. I'm not gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stay. And the reason I was gonna stay is because the associate pastor he was very into the Holy Spirit, right? He was very open to the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And so I felt like, oh, that's not going to be good for me. That's not going to match me, right? And so uh, I told my wife, I'm not going to go. I'm just going to stay here at Cerritos. Okay, so fast forward a few weeks, he starts sharing his heart and sharing his vision for the church. So he started sharing about his heart, about what God is putting on his heart for this church plan and that, and I'm listening to it. And I was thinking, oh man, I really resonate with his vision. It's really speaking to me and my heart. In fact, that's speaking to me more than our current vision that we had at Cerritos. And I was like, oh no, what am I gonna do, right? So I'm telling my wife the same kind of story and then saying, I don't know what to do, I don't know what to do. And my wife is so wise, she said, go talk to him. Go talk, to, go talk to Pastor Barry, the associate pastor. Go talk to him and, and tell him what's on your heart. I was like, okay, that's a good idea. That's a good idea. Okay, so I call him up, and then I make an appointment to come and to talk with him. And then I remember sitting in his office, and we're sitting in his office, and then I'm telling him basically what I told you, that I really felt a heart towards the vision he's sharing, but I'm a, a little bit concerned about this area of the Holy Spirit. So then... Uh, he was very gracious, and he was, like, very understanding. And then basically he told me that he kind of had a picture of, like, a big stadium, like a big, like, football stadium or, or something like that. And then he's sitting on one end of the stadium, and I'm sitting on the other end of the stadium. And he said, we're basic, we're for sure, we're not on the same side. We're not on the same side of the stadium. Okay? You're over here with the Holy Spirit, and I'm over here with the Holy Spirit. But we're in the same ballpark. And he said, my commitment to you is like, if you go and you come with us, we'll move forward, but I'll make sure we're in the same ballpark. And I felt like, that sounds good enough for me. <laughs> so I decided to go and to go uh, with the church plan. And can I tell you that that was the most important decision in all of my 25 years in ministry, that decision I made, to go with him and to go with this church plan. Because what happened after was the Lord started addressing me about the Holy Spirit. 
Okay, so where, where I went to seminary, I went to Talbot. Okay, Talbot is generally very conservative. Okay, so their tagline when it comes to the spirit and the gifts of the spirit is open but cautious. Okay, that's their, that's their kind of motto, right? Open but cautious. But really, when I looked at myself, and I had to be honest, I was more closed and skeptical. Okay, that probably described me more than open but cautious. I was closed and skeptical. So then I come, and we started this church plant, and then we're starting to learn about the Holy Spirit, and da-da-da. And then the Lord comes and really kind of confronts me, right, and says, he says to me, how come you don't want to know all of me? And I was shocked when he said that. He says, how come you don't want to know all of me? And he says, you know the Father, you know the Son, but you don't know the Holy Spirit. There's one-third of who I am that you have no idea about, right? Can you imagine that? Can you imagine like a friend or your spouse or boyfriend or girlfriend if one-third of their life is completely hidden from you? They never expose, they never talk about it. It's completely closed. It's like, it's like centered off. You cannot know them at all. There's one-third of them. What would you think if you're in a relationship like that? What about if it's reversed? What about if they want to know all of you, but you don't want to know one-third of who they are? What does that say? What does that say about us if we're completely closed off? And this is what the Lord was telling me. You're completely closed off to this area. And to be honest, it was because I saw a lot of abuses, what I thought were abuses, that are things where I think were not biblical. And views about the Holy Spirit that I didn't feel were view were biblical biblical and then the lord gave me this kind of phrase right that i he kept reminding me is you might have heard this don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. have you heard that don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. just because the baby's dirty and the bath water is dirty don't throw the baby out too just empty out the water that's dirty you don't have to throw the baby out also he's saying just because there's some that abuse the holy spirit or use the Holy Spirit to kind of support some of their views that may be not biblical, don't throw the Holy Spirit out. That's what he was telling me. Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. And so the Lord started taking me on this journey to be more open and understand the Holy Spirit. Okay? Then I come across this passage here in John 16. Okay? John 16, uh, Jesus is talking to his disciples Right? This is right before he's going to go to the cross and die. This is one of the last things that Jesus is going to say to his disciples before he's going to go to the cross and die. Okay? Um, so he says to them, but because I have said these things, he's telling them he's going to go to the cross and he's going to die. Because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. But I tell you the truth. It is for your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away... The Helper, the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Okay? So imagine this picture. Okay, so he's been, the disciples have been walking with Jesus for three years. They've been living 
day and night, 24-7, every day, sleeping together, eating together, talking together, ministering together, loving each other, doing all of these things, witnessing miracles together, right? They're doing all of these things throughout their time together as disciple and with teacher and with Jesus and his disciples. They have that closeness and intimacy. So when Jesus is talking about him going to the cross and him dying and him being separated, you can understand why the disciples are so sad. They're distraught, right? They're overwhelmed. They're to the point there's so much sorrow thinking that Jesus is going to die and leave them. This is where they are right now. Okay, and we have to understand this picture. And then what does Jesus say to them? He said, it's actually good for you that I go away. And I'm like, Okay, obviously Jesus didn't take these counseling classes to really like kind of uh, like help you walk alongside you to, to help you with your sorrow. Is that really helpful? Right? And that's the, that's the immediate like reaction I have. But he's saying, really, I want to tell you the truth. That's what he says, right? But I tell you the truth. It is for your advantage. Some say, some translations say, it is for your good that I go away. Because if I don't go away, the Holy Spirit's not going to come. The Holy Spirit's not going to come. Now, think about this for a second. Okay, so they have Jesus in the flesh. Okay, now I don't know if you've ever imagined that. So I, even like when I've never been to Israel, okay, but when my wife and I talk about going to Israel, we kind of get like goosebumps sometimes, like thinking like, can you imagine like walking on the same ground that Jesus stepped down and then he stood? Can you imagine standing in the very same place that Jesus was? Like, I can't even kind of imagine that. And I would love to, to go there, and I, I hope to one day go there and actually do that. But just to think like, oh my gosh, can you imagine being in the same place where Jesus was? That's like thousands of years later. They were literally in Jesus' presence. Not just like where he stepped like a couple thousand years ago. They were walking together face to face like I am with you. They were like that with Jesus. Yet what does Jesus say? It's better for you that I go away. Because when I go away, the Holy Spirit comes. If I don't go away, the Holy Spirit is not going to come. What is he saying? He's saying... It's actually a more powerful experience with the Holy Spirit than it is right now when I'm here with you face to face. And I think about that, and that doesn't make any sense to me. That doesn't make any sense to me. How could it be more powerful of an experience than if Jesus was standing right in front of you face to face? But Jesus says... I tell you the truth. It is for your advantage that I go away. Because if I don't go away, the Holy Spirit is not going to come. And when I read this passage, I was even more convicted, saying, I don't really understand the Holy Spirit, because this passage doesn't make any sense to me. I don't really understand just how powerful the Holy Spirit is. I don't understand the kind of intimacy we have with God with the Holy Spirit being present with us. So much so that Jesus would say, it's better to have the Holy Spirit than to have me physically be present with you. And then he started speaking to me. Think about it. They were 
in Jesus' presence, walking and talking with him, but they could be separated, couldn't they? Jesus could go off by himself, or they could be going off on an assignment. They could be separated. They don't, they're not together all the time. They don't have that kind of intimacy. Yet, what the Bible says about the Holy Spirit is that the Holy Spirit indwells us. And if you think about it, Jesus can be close to them out on the outside, but how can you get any closer than on the inside? You can't. You can't get any closer than being on the inside. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit dwells in every single believer on the inside. You have God's very presence with you on the inside and on the outside. Okay, so the Holy Spirit is God's presence. When Jesus said he's going to leave and then he's going to send the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit takes center stage. So if you look at the Bible, the Old Testament, you see the Father, and you see the Father show up, whether in the cloud, or cloud during the day or the fire at night, or in various different ways, the burning bush, the Father shows himself. In the Gospels, you see Jesus being highlighted, and he shows himself. But in Acts, after Jesus is ascended to heaven, it's the Holy Spirit's turn. The Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is 100% God, and the Holy Spirit lives in you. I don't think we can really understand this. I don't think we can really grasp how huge this is. When we looked at the Genesis passage, when we talked about God who was powerful enough to create heaven and earth, to create everything we're looking at, to, to create you and I and everything in the whole world, that God is living in me? I don't think we can even grasp what that means. I don't think we understand the, the gravity of what he is saying here in this passage. That it's better for you if I go away, because when I go away, the Holy Spirit is going to come. Do we understand what it means to have the Holy Spirit? If you're like me, I don't think so. I don't think so. We need to understand this is a tremendous thing, like incomprehensible thing, that we have the living God, the Holy Spirit, dwelling inside of our hearts. Do we understand this? Do we live like this? Do we live life like this? Do we live life with that kind of confidence, thinking we have God inside of us? When we're walking around, we're going to school, we're going to work, when we're doing our errands, when we're doing stuff, do we feel like we're carrying God's presence with us? His very presence lives inside of us. And like we said with Jesus, it's, you don't get separated, right? With Jesus, sometimes you can get lost. You can't find him. Where's Jesus? I don't know where Jesus is. Like, we where to go find him? He's saying the Holy Spirit is not like that. You don't get lost. You don't get separated. He is always with you. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, God is with you. He is present inside of you. He is dwelling and makes his home in you. We have to let that truth sit in. We have to let that change of what we're thinking 
change our, how our perspective is and what we're facing. That we're so overwhelmed sometimes by things that we're facing in life and things seem so big and so difficult and trials and battles that we have to try to endure. Do we feel like we're doing it by ourselves? Or do we feel like we're doing it with the Holy Spirit dwelling in us? God's very presence inside of us. It changes. It changes everything. Not only is God and the Holy Spirit inside of us, he's also upon us, right? So there's two types of God's presence that you'll see in the Bible. There's God's manifest presence, which means that God just shows himself to you. This is what we find in Matthew chapter 18 when it talks about church discipline. And then it has this famous verse where two or three are gathered, there I am in their midst. That's talking about God being present, but that's on the outside, not on the inside. He's going to manifest his presence. He's going to show himself in a special, significant, powerful way at some times. Okay? Especially when we're doing things like Matthew 18, doing church discipline, going through conflict, trying to address different things that are happening, hard things. He's saying, I'm going to be present with you in a special way. When two or three are gathered in my name, trying to do this ministry, trying to do these things, I'm going to be with you. That's the manifest presence of God. So when we pray or when we sing and ask God to be present, what are we asking for? We're asking for the manifest presence of God to come on the outside. That's wonderful. That's amazing. I've experienced the manifest presence of God where I feel like it's almost like tangible. You can really feel like God's spirit present. And it's like almost like you can, you can sense it and you can feel it's real, right? But I want to tell you, that's just every once in a while. You have the indwelling presence of God with the Holy Spirit living on the inside. You have that all the time. So is it okay to pray for God's manifest presence? Yeah, I think it's okay. I think it's great when God shows up and shows up on the outside and we experience him in a great, powerful way, whether in worship or in prayer or whatever we're doing when we experience that miraculous presence of God. But really, we have that same thing all the time on the inside. All the time. All the time. We need to recognize it. We need to acknowledge it. We need to pray to the Holy Spirit. We pray to the Father. Sometimes we pray to the Son. We pray in Jesus' name. Do we pray to the Holy Spirit? Need to pray to the... So I've been practicing. I know, I know we're going to go through the series, so I've been like changing my prayers. I'm going to pray for the next 10 weeks to the Holy Spirit. I'm going to pray to the Holy Spirit. I'm going to recognize he's with me. It's funny, I, when I was saying that, I remembered uh, a memory of my son. He, he must have been maybe like five or six, and he was in our house. And then um, he was like a bundle of energy. He's like, oh, he's like running, 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 running around. And so one time he's like running, and he's like running out of the house. They're like, wait, 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 hold on, hold on. Where are you going? Right? And then it's like he didn't even hear us, right? So he's about to open the door, and then he like lifts up his shirt, and then he's like talking in his shirt. I'm like what are you doing? What are you doing? And then he says, oh, I'm telling God where I'm going. Right? And I was laughing, and me and my wife were kind of laughing, but I was thinking, that's good. 
he thinks that God is really, really living inside him. So he's like lifting up his shirt and trying to talk to him, right? Literally, he's trying to talk to him, right? And it's kind of funny when we think about it or it's kind of cute when he does that, but that's real. God really is in there. We really can talk to God who's living inside of us. We need to have the Holy Spirit be real. And sometimes the Holy Spirit can get hidden. He's the same as, as Jesus, and he's the same as the Father. But sometimes he gets lost because he's spirit, right? The Father, I have some kind of understanding what the Father is, right? We all have had earthly fathers. You know, Jesus, okay, Jesus came in person. I know Jesus. The Holy Spirit, what's that? I don't know the Holy Spirit. But that's what we need to do. And that's what we're going to spend this series on, is getting to know the Holy Spirit. So we want to take this time to just recognize the Holy Spirit. We want to recognize right now, Lord, that it's you that's present within us. It's your love. It's your presence. It's all the things that we long for. These are the things that are present with us when the Holy Spirit dwells in us. So, Lord, we want to thank you right now. We want to thank you for the Holy Spirit. In John 16, when you say that it's good for us that you go away because the Holy Spirit has come, that happened. That happened. Jesus ascended to heaven, and when he did, he sent his very spirit to live and to dwell within us. Help us to know that. Help us to believe that. Help us to experience that. Help us to have confidence in that and faith in that and be transformed by that, empowered by that, and feel life through that. So thank you for the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we thank you. We thank you for being who you are and your presence in our life. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray.